Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Well, it's a very good morning to you, Horizon Church, and a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And to those watching in Princeton, a very thanks, uh, wonderful Thanksgiving to you too. And anyone else that is watching at any time, we love you, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We are a family that loves Jesus and loves to speak about Jesus. What a delight it is to see you all today. And I just want to say how much I love baby dedications. I love babies, I love children, and I just am so grateful that uh, we could uh, dedicate that little guy today for Jesus. Also want to welcome those of you here for the first time. I had the joy of saying hello to you, and uh, we just thank you so much for your time today. May the Spirit of God continue to minister to you as we open up His Word. So, let's get right into it. I'm going to have to, well, no, I'll just go at my own pace. (laughs) I'll just go at my own pace. I won't try and be like Pastor Craig or Daniel. I'll just go at my own pace, right? Good, good, good. So so we are in the series, for those who are visiting us, we're in a series called Resilience. And the first one, Pastor Craig spoke about the big ask. It's okay to ask God. Secondly, last week we had Pastor Ryan who spoke about the battle is the Lord's. And today I have the task of um, trying to, to, to help you understand um, what is in your hand, what has God placed in you and in your life. So we're going to go straight into it at 2 Kings. We're going to read 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 4, and the first seven verses. The verses will come up and we will read together. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except, and it's almost you can hear a pause and nothing at all, and then she kinda, this is how I interpret it, she kinda thought, well, oh yes, I do have something except a small jar of olive oil. Verse three, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were filled, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar 
left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today. Lord, would you just break this bread of life to us today? And would you distribute it accordingly to minister to each heart the way in which you want to touch all of us today? For we ask these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So here we have a story, and if I may say, my message is in two parts, so we will also have a look at Moses and a very short scripture. But this is the first part about the prophet's widow. Now this unnamed widow, for whom the prophet Elijah, Elisha actually performed a miracle for, was a believer in Yahweh, in God. She actually obeyed the prophet's instructions. And if I may just say this, for some of you who don't realize, that during this time with Elisha and when the, where the, the, the prophet's uh, uh, widow lived, during this time in the northern kingdom of Israel, there was no functioning priesthood. They had actually very sadly turned their back on God and were worshiping idols and all sorts of things. So what did God do? So God raised up prophets, prophets like Elijah, you would have heard of him, who came before this prophet we're talking about today, Elisha. And so God raised up prophets such as Elisha, and Elisha, what he used to do is he used to travel and he used to teach at schools, prophetic schools, a group of schools training young men in the ancient law and who existed as a force of righteousness in the nation. And I see that in a way as a picture of the church in the nations of the world as a force for righteousness today. Students of those schools were called sons of the prophets. And in this instance, one of them died, leaving his wife and two sons without adequate provision. And this woman who had lost her husband, who'd lost her livelihood, was now faced also with yet another prospect of losing her sons. And so she did something. The Bible says she exercised faith by coming to the man of God for advice. And in verse two, the man of God says, what shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? In other words, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your house? Is there something that we can use in your house to salvage your situation? 
She'd never considered the small, almost empty jar of olive oil. But she said, oh, except for one small jar of olive oil. She exercised her faith. What shall I do for you, said the man of God. And I think sometimes as Christians, the Spirit of God asks the same question for us. He asks, what shall I do for you? And sometimes we don't really know how to respond. You know, um, I, I must confess to you, when it comes to asking, I have never really been good at asking. I don't know, but the prophet's wife, maybe it was the first time she went to a prophet and asked the prophet to ask God to salvage her situation. When I became a Christian as a 17-year-old young man, I had a real problem of asking. I was taught that men don't ask, men just do. (laughs) You never ask for directions right? And look where that got a hold of you. Okay. But life, the life of faith for me was very difficult in my early years. It was very embarrassing for me because I was told as a Christian, you need to ask God. But how can I ask God? How can a widow ask God? Well, God tells us to ask him. And when I got that understanding in my head and in my heart, I began to step out in faith and ask God. And I remember, and I'll give you one, one story. When my wife and I were married, six weeks after we were married, we went to Bible school. We didn't have much money at all. We were really, in essence, believing God and living in the realm of faith. And there were times when, and I I still, God was trying to get a hold of my life and saying, son, you've got to trust me. Ask me, I can help you. It was so difficult for this guy. And uh, I remember that sometimes we used to almost literally be running out of food. And then I used to pray. I said to my new wife, honey, we've got to pray. God says, ask of me. And we prayed and we went to school and we'd come back and suddenly there was a packet of groceries by our door. It was the most amazing thing. I asked and God heard my prayer. It was amazing. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that God listens and answers every single prayer of mine immediately. No, but I was learning and God was teaching and responding to me. We would be walking to class and somebody would say, oh, Mike, Cherith, come over here. I want to bless you. And they'd they'd give me money. I didn't want to take their money, but they gave me money. They said, no, 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 Michael, we just want to bless you. Receive this, please. We want to bless you. It was so foreign to me. But I humbled myself. I had to humble myself. And I know it's very hard for some of you too to receive and even to ask of the Lord. You know, we don't carry as Christians a spirit of entitlement. 
I am not entitled to my entitlement. As Christians, we don't carry a spirit of entitlement. We carry a spirit of humility and love for those are around or those who are around us. It's the spirit of Christ. And I got to thinking, what could God do if we were thankful? Of course, this is a, a weekend of thanksgiving. But what could we do if we are, we are thankful for what we already have? You see, in our culture, we're always wanting more and more and more. But are you grateful? Are you thankful for what you have now? And you know what I think? I think that the Spirit of God desires for us to be grateful for what we have now. Because if you can't be grateful for what you have now, methinks you won't be grateful for what you have in the future. You know, throughout the Bible, God has a wonderful habit, habit of using whatever a person possessed if that person would simply yield it to God, give it to God. Among many other items, when you read the Bible, you will see that God used a stick. He used a coat. He used a fish, a couple of pennies. He used a slingshot. He used the jawbone of an ass. He used a rock. And, some, and also, he used some loaves of bread. The almighty creator of the universe is able to use any ordinary object that is yielded to him in faith. I had to learn that. That did not come easy to me because I wanted to do it and sort it because that's the way I grew up. And we do have to work hard and we do have to be responsible, yes, but there is a time when you, at the end of your rope and you say, God, I can't solve this issue. Please help me. The widow needed God's touch and God's help. I don't know what's in your life that you are going through right now. I don't know. But God does. And do you want, I want you to know that God wants you to ask him for help. I know some of you are saying, oh, no, not me. Other guys, not me, boy, no way. That's what I used to say. But now I'm learning to ask God for help. Do you remember before the series, we had the series of surrender? Maybe you better go back and re-look at your notes on surrender. Brian, if we don't surrender to God, we'll just do our own thing. And that's not good. Will, I'm not saying it's easy to surrender. Pia, it's not easy to surrender. It's one of the most difficult things in the world because we are taught never surrender, right? I was a soldier. I know about that. Only God can change a heart. So what's in your house? What's in your house? Well, this lady, she came with a problem, but asked in faith. And excuse me, I just want to, how can I put it or frame it to you? I want to double down on this one, on the ask. 
I remember when, uh, when we were younger and our children were young, we really felt God wanted us to go. We, we were really curious at that time. We were ministering in Zimbabwe and we really sensed that we had this thought that God would like us to go to England to what they call in England a family camp. And a church family camp in England is where they go to this enormous uh, ground and you take your caravan oh, for the interpreted trailer. <laughs> you take your trailer and you park your trailer and you have a wonderful Christian meeting. So we got our three children, one son, two daughters, little lambs at that stage about yay high. And we said to them, listen, we want you to pray with mom and dad. We've got to, we need to ask God, because I wanted to teach my children to ask, because I was just kind of getting it. I want you to ask God if we can go to England to this, this conference. Came back later, said, well, children, what's the answer? And they, all three of them together said, yes, we believe that we need to go to this conference. Three days later, everything was paid. We asked and we received. Now, not every time, but at that time in our lives, God was teaching us, taking us through a teaching period in our lives to trust Him to have faith in him and to ask of him. You know and I know that there's nothing like a good problem to get us close to the Lord. So it's true. There's nothing like a good problem to get us close to the Lord because if you're doing it on your own and you're comfortable and everything's dandy and wonderful, but when you're in trouble, when you come up against a brick wall, when you're going through a terrible issue and you've got this problem, nothing like a good problem gets us to the Lord. Her sons, this woman, her sons were her only commodity. She had an issue. She did all she could in her own strength and came to an end. The woman had lost her husband, which was her source of living. She had lost her earthly possessions. She was about to lose her children. And in a way, she was reduced to a jar of oil. All she had left was death and debts. Two great burdens of life. Ever run out of time? Have you ever run out of options? Have you ever run out of resources? The good news though is that this woman, she came to the right place. She called upon the name of the Lord, upon Yahweh. Often God has to remove those things in our lives that makes us comfortable before we can see clearly enough to see Him. I've learned that. Secondly, she came with what she thought was important. She went to the right place, but she relied on the wrong things. 
She totally, totally relied on her husband. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but she totally relied on her husband and now he was gone. She relied on their track record. She relied on the way in which they used to live. But she called out to the name of the Lord and God intervened. You see, she came with what she thought was important. But all she needed was an empty vessel. Isn't it interesting, the answer to our questions are usually the strangest answers? Number three, she discovered what was really important. You see, it wasn't what she had done in the past. It wasn't so much what she had in the past. It really was what do you have in the house now? Do you remember the story of the 5,000? And they came across this little boy with a little lunch in John chapter six in the first 14 verses. Oh my word, God used that to feed 5,000 people. You see, I have nothing but. We all have something, dear friends. We all have something. It's not what do you want to have, it's what do you have? If you'll excuse another story. Years ago, we had an R12 as a car. Some of you don't even know what that is. It's a Renault, a Renault 12 four-door sedan as a car. It was a special Zimbabwean car. We have special cars in Zimbabwe. And this one, you had to start it in a special and specific way because if you didn't start it correctly, the whole engine would flood and you would be in trouble. That's the only car we had at that time. And we were grateful for the car that we had at that time. We had a visitor from Ireland and our visitor wanted to go and we said, listen, if you can learn to drive our car correctly, you can take our car and go across the country. There's no problem. But we say there's one thing. You have to, every time you stop for petrol or gas, every time you stop for gas, you have to put oil in the car. She said, okay. I put cans two cans of five liters of oil just to get her out of the city. <laughs> and I said, listen, you've got to top it up with oil. Well, she seized the engine. The engine was seized. She forgot. She forgot. Now, why did I tell you that story? Unbeknown to us, God was already working on our behalf. You see, you don't know this, but right now God is working and moving on your behalf right now. You can't feel it. You don't see it. You maybe not even sense it. We didn't. But God's moving on your behalf right now. Well, a businessman came to us and he says, I want to give you a company car to use. I said, thank you. That would be wonderful. So he gave us a company car to use. 
You see, what she thought was nothing, that little bit of oil was about to become everything. And that's what God can do for you and God can do for me. She obeyed and did what she could. She did what she could. She heard the word from the prophet and she did it. She obeyed. She may have had a little oil, but her faith was absolutely active and God used that little faith to do a great thing. She had no idea why, she just obeyed. She just wanted to do what God told her to do. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And then five, number five, she shut herself in with God. She began to pour the oil into the empty vessels, big, small, round, you know, tall, painted, whatever. The only thing in common with these jars really was they all came empty and were all filled from the same source, but they all came empty. You see, we don't have to bring our good works before the Lord. We don't have to bring our credentials before the Lord. We don't have to bring the years of service before the Lord. He knows already. What we have to do is come humbly before God to surrender before him and ask him to help us, to thank him for what he's done for us, to thank him for what we have now. But Lord, we do need this in order to take the next step on. You alone must shut yourself in with God and act on it. When is the last time you acted in faith? I think if we're very honest, and I'm speaking to myself as well, if we're very honest, it's probably, it could be months since you last acted in faith. Because we're comfortable and we have enough. But God has a listening ear and an open heart for you and I. When all the vessels were full, the oil ceased. So, what is in your house or in your hand? The second part, we're gonna to go to Exodus chapter four, verses one and two. And what is in your hand? You see, when God revealed his plan to Moses, Moses responded with doubt and excuses. I love that verse. Don't you love that verse? I love that verse because I too am a man who doubts and makes excuses. And God spoke to this guy called Moses, one of the greatest characters in the Bible, and he doubted and he made excuses, but look what God did with him and for him and through him. God may be speaking to you right now and you're saying, no, I could never be that, do that. Well, if you're doubting and making excuses, I want you to know something, it's not finished yet. Because Moses doubted and made excuses and Moses did great things for God. Exodus chapter four and verse one and two, Moses tells God, but, but behold, 
They will not believe me, nor will they hear my voice, for they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Wow. And by the way, you do remember that Moses also had a stammer and a stutter. So it took him a while to get that out. But God says, that's okay, Moses, I can use you. Are you willing? And then in verse two, tell us. And the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? He was a shepherd, had a big shepherd's stick, rod or staff. And God said to Moses, what's that in your hand? The answer to God's question that Moses had a shepherd's rod in his hand. Isn't it interesting in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 1.27, the Bible tells us and confirms that, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Simply take whatever you have and surrender it completely to God and God can use even a stick, a rod. You see, the moment you extend your hand and offer Jesus what you have, you take a step out of your own agenda and you step into Jesus' agenda. Your focus goes from your own selfish interests to kingdom of God interests. So when Moses in the Old Testament was at a loss over how he was going to serve God, God asked him a question, what is that in your hand? I ask you, what do you have in your hand? And what was in his hand was a staff, a simple walking stick. I'm sure there was nothing especially appealing to the eye about the staff of Moses. After all, it was just a stick. However, what is important to note, what is important And what is most amazing about that stick or that rod, however, is not what it accomplished in Moses' hands, but what it accomplished in Moses' hands after he placed it in God's hands. You see, before Moses placed that stick into God's hands, he used to use that stick. He used that staff on countless journeys in the desert. He used it for prodding off maybe, uh, you know, small animals. He used it to clear a path before him. He used it to steady his steps as he went up and down the the gnarly crevices that he had to, to go under. After Moses took his hand off it, after he gave it to God, It was used to lead Moses off his path and back onto God's pathway. You see, my friend, 
to fight and devour the serpents of sorcerers. That's what God used his stick for. When he released what he had in his hand to God, God supernaturally released, uh, used it. When you and I, superna- when we release what we have to God, maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's your business mind. Maybe it's your patience. Maybe it's your teaching ability. Maybe it's your finances. When you release what you have in your hand, what God has gifted you in, when you release it, God can use it mightily. And so when God, uh, excuse me, Moses released to God his stick and it became a snake, it ate up other enemy snakes to lead God's people out of bondage. The staff was used to part the oceans. The staff was used to draw water from a rock. The staff was used. You see, as Moses' stick, it was ordinary. But when he released it to God, it became extraordinary. And herein lies the problem as we come to a close today. The struggle and the problem with you and me is to let go. I'm talking to me. Can you imagine? This is embarrassing, but I've got to be honest. After 43 years being a pastor and a minister of the gospel, sometimes I still don't want to let go. Sorry, Pastor Craig. Is that okay? I can say that. Sometimes I still don't want to let go. The best thing you can do is whatever you have in your hand, let it go. Give it to God. And God will do the miraculous. See, I got nothing to give. He's like the prophet's widow. I got nothing to give. Do you have a house? Do you have a roof over your head? Be grateful and be hospitable. Have someone around to lunch. Did you have a spouse? Well, God wants you to wants to make you powerful prayer warriors. You see, one will put a t- thousand to flight, but two will put ten thousand to flight. Do you have children? Well, God wants you to use and shape them as men and women of God. And always remember that the law of impartation is this: what I am, they will become. So, who are you? What I am, they will become. And that really puts the fear of God in me, Don. Why, Dan? Why? Because as a pastor, what I am, you become. It's frightening. Because there's a law, a spiritual law of impartation. And what we have, we give to you in Jesus' name. Do you have an income? Well, maybe you can now start tithing and giving to missions or whatever it is. Everyone has something. Do you have feet? Don't you want to go to the mission field just once for a month or three weeks and be salt and light to the rest of the world? Do you have hands? 
Don't you want to touch people's lives? Don't you want to be a blessing to them? One of my favorite missionaries is a man, he's Canadian. And I know we're going back to the 60s and the 70s. And for those of you who are younger, that means the 1960s and the 1970s in the last century. His name is Mark Buntaine. Mark Buntaine, I believe he was a PRAC missionary and he went to Calcutta. He was one of my favorite professors where I went to college. He used to come and tell us about the works and the miracles of God through his hands. He was the most humble, the most gentle man. But he said, Lord, you can use these hands. He used to go out in the monsoons and save babies floating on debris down the river. No one else could touch the water because they'd come out in welts and sores, but he could because there was a grace and a gift of God of him. What is in your hand? Do you have a talent? The church needs your talent. The church needs you. Please, Please examine what you have in your hand. The church can use this for the glory of God. Do you have a skill? God wants to enrich your life with your skill and enrich the life of His kingdom. Building relationships, serving in the church. So today, dear friends, what do you have in your hand that you can now, you see, when you possess it, it's service. When you give it, it becomes a ministry of God. It becomes a ministry, a ministry that can, can grow and touch many lives. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you as a reminder today that a widow with nothing, God can use her and did use her in an amazing way to bring provision and the gift of life back to her. To Moses who had a staff in his hand, Lord, thank you for your staff Thank you, Lord, today, right now. I want you to consider what does God put in your hand and how can you use it for Jesus? Instead of grabbing it, release it to Jesus. Father, I thank you for each and every one here today. For those who are in Princeton and those who are watching, Lord, I ask, what is it that we can give to you today? Some of you, it may be your very life in service to the King, into the ministry, as a missionary or a pastor or a teacher of the Word of God. It can be anything 
So Father, we thank you for your touch upon us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.